like a deeply painful and and what could very much be considered as a, a very negative experience. If we look at that through the lens of a soul contract that can sometimes make a deeply painful experience feel not easier at all, but almost a a tiny bit lighter. And it's like, okay, this fucking sucked. Maybe I needed to go through this to learn certain things. I'm Emily Goff, a human connection coach, writer, and speaker with an insatiable sense of curiosity and adventure, always asking more questions and using the power of stories to teach, learn, and grow. We boldly explore relationships, connection, and the nuances and complexities of the human experience with compassion, honesty, and a sense of humor. With both solo episodes and highly curated guests sharing incredible stories, experiences, and expertise, the Room to Grow podcast takes the entire idea of growth to the next level, all while covering the uncomfortable topics many of us would like to avoid. There's always more room to grow. Let's do this. Welcome back to the Room to Grow podcast. Emily here. And today we're going to be talking about soul contracts. And I have to tell you, (laughs) if you had told me even three years ago that I was going to be doing a podcast episode about something called soul contracts, uh, I would not have believed you, to put it mildly, and I would have rolled my eyes at myself. (laughs) And who is this weird creature who is talking about these random ass things? Like, what does this even mean? However... Um, I, I almost feel like I have not been, uh, showing you all of myself. So there, I, I'm a lot more woo than I sometimes let on. And that has become much more of a practice for me. And, and, uh, as I deepen my understanding into the more woo side of things, for lack of a, a better term, um, more spiritual side of things, I guess, like an energetic side of things. It, you've heard me talk a lot about energy and I've really deepened my understanding into that over the past year or so, but there's a lot more that I don't always talk about because I am very science-based and, I don't I don't necessarily have, you know, facts to back up these these more energetic things that can't be measured and who knows if they're even true. So I need to start the episode with that, which is to say that I don't know how much this is true. However, I find the idea of soul contracts as I have have gained more understanding of it. And we're also going to be talking about um, consciousness and and a few a few other things here that I, I think are really fascinating. The reason why I want to talk about this is because I have actually found a great deal of comfort in the idea of soul contracts since I have learned more about it. And I I actually work with um, a mentor for the past uh, more over a year now, um, a spiritual mentor who has really deepened my understanding of a lot of this stuff. And and I've worked with like shamans and stuff too, but like this particular mentor, I, I might actually maybe bring her on the podcast. I don't know if I will or not. Um, I'm almost protective of her. <laughs> and, and I also don't know if she would want to, but I will I will consider and I will I will get back to you on that because I think that that she would she would blow you away with I have learned so much from her and and continue to she is such an incredible being I would love to share her knowledge with you um so I will look into that and I will see if if uh, she would maybe come on the podcast because she can explain all of these things far better than than I can but I'm going to do my best because the more people I talk to about this idea a lot of people seem to really resonate with it and also 
find find comfort in it. And that's why I'm sharing it with you. And I, again, you know, I am a very strong believer in the science. I always will be. Um, I spend a lot of my time engaging in research, like constantly taking programs, courses, certifications rooted in the latest science. Like I pay attention to how things shift and evolve as we gain more knowledge and, and um, new research and technology changes our understanding of the world. And because multiple truths can exist at the same time, as we often discuss here, <laughs> I'm also a big believer in the more spiritual and woo side of things. And and I want you to hear me out on, on, on this episode because, again, trust me, I would have rolled my eyes at this too a few short years ago. But let's let's get into what soul con- contracts even are. Like, what am, what am I even talking about here? Soul contracts are, it, it's the idea that before our souls incarnate into our human form, that there are certain lessons that our soul needs to learn here on earth. And before we we take our human form, our souls make contracts with other souls about ways, like lessons that, that we need to learn in order to evolve our, our own soul, in order to evolve our own consciousness. So these are like energetic agreements that we have made with other souls to have a shared experience in the physical world. Now, this can show up in a relationship where we feel a particularly deep connection with someone, or we might not really feel strongly about someone at all one way or the other, but they're still here to teach us something. And sometimes these will be deeply painful experiences. Other times they'll be incredibly positive and life-changing in the best possible ways. And sometimes they might be more neutral without much emotion attached to the experience one way or the other. And I, I always have tended to view everyone I meet as a teacher, no matter how significant or insignificant a role they may play in my life. I also like, I also feel like who am I to be the one to determine um, someone's level of significance of their role in my life. You know, like it, I'm not one to, what I mean by that is to not write someone off because you just have a passing, um, very brief encounter with someone because we often ignore, think of the butterfly effect. We often ignore how the tiniest seemingly microscopic decisions can have powerful effects and, and interactions with people and everything else. Things that we may never actually be able to see or understand. Like say you you come into contact with with someone, uh, some random stranger at the grocery store, but even though you may have just like smiled at each other or said hi, or maybe you didn't even really speak to each other, but maybe you just um, locked eyes. We have no idea what effect that could potentially have out in the world. And I know that sounds like a ridiculous example, but one of the ways I, I approach life is is through a more macro approach. And I find it really useful because sometimes we can get caught in the weeds when, when we're so stuck on focusing on the day to day, like the every microscopic movement. I think I explained this once as uh, when I was learning to drive, I, I remember that I kept staring directly in front of the car to make all these tiny little microscopic adjustments with the steering wheel. And my mom taught me, she said, you know, it'll actually be a lot easier if you look farther ahead. If you look farther down the road so that you can see the lines on the road and everything else, you won't, you won't feel the need to make all these teeny tiny little adjustments because you will be able to progress forward. And I think anyone who, who knows how to drive knows that to be true. 
And this is how I also approach life. Because when we focus on the teeny tiny little things, we're going to miss shit around us. We're going to miss all of the all, so many beautiful aspects of life and and we won't observe what's going on around us. And it can also allow us in moments of um, where, where we can't see the path that's unfolding in front of us, but we have maybe a general idea as to where we want to go. It can feel paralyzing in the moment if we only focus on what is directly in front of us we're going to have a harder time and it's going to feel overwhelming. If you have these, these big, massive dreams, visions of, of where you want to go in life, but you're in a very different place right now, it can seem almost crippling. Like, like that can almost paralyze you to take the steps that you need to take to get to where you're going because it seems way too far away. So we have to sometimes take this more zoomed out approach to life. And when it comes to soul contracts, there's there's two two main examples that come to mind. And I could give you plenty, but these are, are the two most obvious examples in my own life that come to mind. And they're also um, somewhat extreme examples, potentially one for more positive reasons and one for more negative reasons. <laughs> so one example of, of what I feel to be was very much a soul contract in my life was um, my former partner that I was with for nine years where I found out uh, that he had been having an affair off and on for our entire nine years together. Uh, that's I, I referenced that more in uh, in episode 117, so you can go check that out if, if you want more information on that. But it's it's interesting because a couple intuitive guides that I went to in the years that, that followed the ending of that relationship, they they said to me what I already had known. And I don't know if I had, if I had, or, or if I actually have ever stated this publicly. I knew right away, there was just this, this inner knowing. I knew very quickly after, as soon as I found out like about everything that had gone on, I was in shock. I was heartbroken, all of those things. And there was an inner knowing that was like this, this always was going to happen. Like this actually needed to happen for you to get to where you're going. And I had a couple of, of intuitive guides actually reflect that back to me a couple of years later um, where I, I never said anything about that. But they said, you know, this was always going to happen. Like there were there were things that I needed to learn by going through that experience and everything that it involved. And of course, there are things that I could have done differently in that relationship. I, I've talked about that at great length over this podcast. So it's not to to negate that piece, but I wouldn't have figured out what I could have done differently in that relationship had I not had that particular experience. There are so many things that grew out of that experience, as shattering as it was, that I needed for me to become the person that I have and the person that I will continue to grow into being. So that's one example. Another example, and this one is is an incredibly positive one, so my, my friend, Dr. Jade Tita, I think I may have mentioned this once before on the podcast, but he and I are actually going to talk about this more with, with an upcoming project that we have going on um, that I will also share with you very shortly. But Jade and I are very close at this point. We're very close friends. Um, we're, we're like siblings. And what's fascinating is that when people ask me how Jade and I met, he and I both laugh because the story is insane. <laughs> The story is just, it's still unbelievable to, to both of us, actually. In 2012, 
That is 11 years ago. In 2012, I was working my corporate job. I was uh, teaching uh, boot camp classes on the side. I had just started teaching with boot camp classes for this one little company. And uh, the owner of the company handed me a book. And they said, "This like you're mandated to read this book. Like This is mandatory reading. Um, read this, and, and then uh, we'll have you teach boot camps. The book happened to be Jade's first book called The Metabolic Effect. And I'd never heard of him. I, I'd never heard of him. I, and I thought I knew some shit about uh, fitness and nutrition at that point. And I read this book and it flipped everything I thought I knew about fitness and nutrition on its head. And I was like, oh my God, I need to learn more. Like, what, what is this? <laughs> I need to learn more. So I started following him online. And uh, then I also started following his, his wife at the time, uh, Jill, and she did business coaching and stuff. And I was like, okay, first of all, you can have an online business. Like I was looking at both of them that they had an online business. I'm like, I didn't know that was a thing. And I didn't like my corporate job, but I didn't really know what my next move would be. And I'm like, well, maybe I could start an online business. And then I decided that Jill was going to be my first business coach. And I didn't know when, but I was like, I'm going to hire her as my first business coach. So again, because I was also trying to learn all these things about fitness and nutrition, because Jade's book had just completely upended what I, everything I thought I knew, I also went back to school for two years to become a holistic nutritionist. <laughs> that was that was the catapult moment that like triggered me to do that. While I was still working full time, I went back to school to become a holistic nutritionist. And then I did hire Jill uh, several years later and uh, as my first business coach back in 2017, I hired Jill. And um, Jade and I met like for literally two seconds at an event that she held. But like, I'm talking like we said, hi, that, that was literally the start and the end of the conversation. <laughs> and then I had Jade uh, on my podcast in 2018. Again, I'll reference the episodes. You can go back to listen to the, these oldie episodes if you want to. Uh, we had a great conversation. Again, the end. It's fine. In 2020, I invited him back on my podcast. And by this time, uh, I had actually been dating uh, a mutual friend of ours. And or I was about to start dating a mutual friend of ours, I believe. Um, and Jade and I had a great conversation on the podcast. That was, that was fine. Um, later in 2020, I dated this mutual friend. And uh, this mutual friend was like, oh, you know, like we both know Jade. Why don't we go see Jade? Like, why don't we drive across the, the country and go see Jade? I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I'd really only talked to him like twice. And, and they were both for podcast interviews. And Jade and I uh, could not stop talking. When, when we hung out, all like the group of us, Jade and I could not stop talking and mostly about relationships. And we kept talking, talking, talking for basically a week. We talked <laughs> and then we were just bonded for life. Uh, and we just continued to get closer and closer. Um, and now we, we've got all these, these projects coming up and stuff like that. And it's just the coolest thing. And, and he's one of the most influential humans in my life, but has been since long before he ever even knew I existed. <laughs> It's just utterly bizarre. Like, it's so crazy to me. And and I laugh with him because I'm like, you know, I never sat down one day and was like, I'm going to be friends with Jade. <laughs> like, that was never a thing. Um, but I really feel like he and I have talked about the fact that it's, it's like soul family. And if I look at it through this lens of soul contracts, I feel like Jade very much, uh, Jade and I very much had uh, a soul contract, have had uh, a soul contract with each other because I, and I'm just giving you the bare minimum of that story. There are so many other layers where like from afar, he impacted who I grew into and became as a human and the entire directions of my life. Like 
career wise and everything, like like so many different levels. It's just it's bonkers. And and listen, I don't know how much any of this is around sole contracts is true or untrue. I have no idea, and there's no real way to determine that. I do believe that there are many things in this world that science cannot be used to prove or measure. I think it would be incredibly arrogant to believe that we are alone in the universe or that we have the answer or explanation to everything. And I'm presenting this idea of slow contracts to you simply as an idea and and as something for you to ponder, because I don't know how much I believe in this, some days more than others. <laughs> and I, I'm constantly like evaluating and reevaluating my beliefs in general and, and always looking for new ways to grow and expand my understanding of, of the human experience and, and the universe as we know it. But I've often found a great deal of comfort in the idea of soul contracts. I don't really believe in coincidences. I never have. And when I was presented with this idea of soul contracts, it just felt like it made sense. It just felt on some level like it made sense. And and that there are certain um, the ways that, that things unfold in our lives and everything else. Because when, when we think of um, perhaps a, a deeply, you know, like the example I gave you, like a deeply painful and, and what could very much be construed as a, a very negative experience. If we look at that through the lens of a soul contract and that that was something that I needed to go through and and both of us, that both parties involved needed to go through that experience to get particular lessons to evolve our own consciousness and and the 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 very things that we are here to to learn and evolve into as as souls on a soul level i find a lot of comfort in that i don't know about you but i that that sometimes can make it feel that can sometimes make a deeply painful experience feel not easier at all but almost a a tiny bit lighter where it's not quite as heavy of a weight to carry and it's like okay this fucking sucked and I would not wish this on anyone, but maybe I needed to go through this to learn certain things. Maybe both parties or however many parties are involved needed to go through this to learn certain things. This also, and and I need to be clear, this is also very much, very much balanced against the bullshit like everything happens for a reason. No, no, I do not subscribe to that at all. I have talked to that. I've talked about that many times on the podcast. Shit happens. Life happens. Senseless tragedies happen. And we have to create a reason. It's not everything happens for a reason. We have to create a reason to keep going, to create meaning from our pain so that we can go on living. Like, like for example, if someone loses their life in an unexpected tragedy, I don't believe that that was fated or anything like that. I believe that there are all kinds of people whose journeys can be cut short prematurely and that they don't get the chance to complete what they came here to learn in this lifetime. And that perhaps even the the various um, contracts that they had with, with other souls in their life, then those other souls who remain behind have to then try and find those lessons through other experiences. Again, it's like this ripple effect that we can look at. If you've never uh, read, I, I've been thinking a lot lately about uh, this idea of, of collective, the collective consciousness. And 
I don't know if you've ever read um, Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. I highly recommend it, especially if you're anyone who is who is a creative or anything like that. But really, we're all creative as humans. I spent most of my life <laughs> thinking that I wasn't creative because I, I only associated creativity with like art and, and music, basically. But we are all creative beings. It just comes through in a wide variety of different ways. And that, that's the beauty of it. And this whole idea in, in Big Magic that Elizabeth uh, Gilbert presents is one example that she gave was, well, it, it, it's basically this idea that there are ideas that some greater intelligence, and I'm very much paraphrasing and, and also putting my own spin on this. So I'll share the story that the Elizabeth Gilbert specifically shared in a minute. But the the whole idea is that there are ideas and and that there's a greater intelligence at play that needs to push ideas through certain individuals to evolve the consciousness of humanity. It's how we evolve as a collective because we are all deeply connected. This is why human connection is so important because we are so much more connected than we think that we are. So the example that Elizabeth Gilbert gives in, in Big Magic is that she had an idea for a book. And uh, it was it was somewhat obscure of an idea. Like it was very unusual, like name, setting, uh, plot, all of these different things. And she started writing this book and doing research for it. And, and, and it was it was flowing. It was coming through. And then she had some personal stuff come up and she had to put the book aside for a little while. And she ended up meeting this this other woman uh, who happened to be a writer at an event or something like that. They shook hands Um and, and months and months went by uh, after this where, where she just never got a chance to come back to the book. When she finally, when Elizabeth Gilbert finally came back to writing the book, she tried and tried and tried and the book just did not want to come out of her at that point anymore. And, and she felt that she had lost the idea. Then <laughs> she meets up with this, this woman, again, the, this other writer that she had met at an event ages before. And this woman is is telling her, I can't remember the other woman's name, but um, this woman is telling her about an, an idea that she's running with for her new book that she has already started writing. And Elizabeth is asking questions about it and, and all these things. And it turns out that it's almost identical. And again, we're talking very obscure details here. Like this is not your average plot, story, uh, names, uh, locations. Like this is very obscure things that, that she had described at great length. And this woman starts describing, and, and the details are almost identical. There were like a few tiny little things off, but but all of all of the big details and even some of the smaller details were the exactly the same. And they both felt that the idea had jumped from Elizabeth to this other woman when they shook hands at that event months before, because it was as though the idea had recognized that it was not going to be able to come through that particular person. So it still needed, it still had an agenda of its own. It still needed to come through. So it needed to come through someone else. And I just find these ideas fascinating to play with. And there are so many different examples of, of things like that, that, that we could give and, and personal stories and everything else. But this whole idea of understanding and being open to, to this idea that so for example, if you get some sort of a download of an idea or something like that, and you don't do anything with it, we've all had this experience. Every single one of us has had this experience where we have an idea and we don't do anything with it. And then eventually we see someone else doing the thing and we're like, 
I thought of that. Like I could have done that, but you didn't. You didn't. So the idea still needed to come through in order to evolve the collective consciousness in order to perhaps even evolve humanity in some way. So it then went to whoever it was going to be able to come through. And again, I don't know how much this is true. I, these are, I'm just relaying to you like the, the, the things that I'm playing with and the things that I am learning about and just starting to scratch the surface on with, with mentors of mine and, and stuff like that. It's just fascinating. It's fascinating. And we also have to recognize that we, we can't, we can also think of consciousness as needing to be perhaps um, a bit flexible, flexible consciousness in terms of not controlling the timing of our lives. Because when we do that, and we all do this, I have struggled with this, <laughs> struggled. I have talked about that before in the podcast. I've struggled with this, wanting to control the timeline of our lives. And what it does when we, when we attach to something, we get this and, and we have this like, gripping hold on it, it actually restricts the flow of life and energy. And one of the the most powerful things that we can do is to start to learn to let go a little bit, have the desire, have the idea, do whatever you want to do. But can you also then simultaneously start to learn to detach from it, to trust that you've put it out into the universe? That doesn't mean that you don't take action on whatever the thing is. You still need to take action, like inspired action towards the thing. But can you put the desire out into the universe and then release the timelines on it and trust that it will come to you when it's ready? Can we can we trust that? That's easier said than done. That is a lot easier said than done. But all of these all of these ideas that we can play with, like they're opportunities to go deeper into ourselves and, and to better understand how and why we do what we do. For example, perhaps you're, you're looking to be in a relationship. But what's underneath that? What's underneath that, that core desire? Maybe what you really want is connection, support, love, like all those, those beautiful things that we associate with a relationship. And, and can we then also look at celebrating all of the ways that connection and support and love is, is coming into our life in a variety of different ways and, and celebrating all the ways it's already in our lives and see how that shifts something for us. See how that opens us to be able to take this more macro approach to life a little bit and to allow whatever wants to come into our life to come in. And I I just I find this I find this stuff fascinating. I find this fascinating. And I was very nervous to come out with this episode cuz I'm like, "Oh, people are maybe <laughs> going to just like turn this off, be like, what is she talking about?" And some people will, and that's okay. But this is the thing is that when you work with me, you get the unique intersection of science-backed psychology and neuroscience, holistic health, um, all the work I have done around the nervous system, sexuality, trauma. I've done a huge amount of work in those areas with a dose of spirituality, energy work, and all things woo. Plus the benefit of learning years of learnings from coaches and mentors I've worked really closely with and a whole lot of life experience. 
Like I, I actually don't share my story very often anymore because it feels so separate from who I am now, but it, it formed the basis for who I have become and grown into just as it does for all of us. Um, again, you know, I, I mentioned the, the nine year affair in, in this episode, which I, I don't bring up uh, nearly as often anymore. Um, but I then, you know, sold everything I owned. I picked up and moved to the other side of the world with a single suitcase where I knew no one. Um, <laughs> there's, there's been a whole lot in between, that version of me and and this version of me and and this is what it what it looks like um you know i i really enjoy getting to approach life and my understanding of the human experience from all of these different angles because i don't think that there's just one way to do anything i don't think that there's just one answer to most things either I think that that multiple truths can all exist at the same time and that it depends on which angle we want to to take on things. So, yeah, I just uh, I find I I think this is so cool. I just think this whole idea of of soul contracts and collective collective consciousness is just really, really cool to play with. And just like anything else I have ever taught, I always tell people, take what you want, leave the rest. (laughs) Take what you want, leave the rest. And and that, you know, you you do not have to, I don't actually want you to take everything that I say as some sort of law. I don't want you to take anything I say as some sort of law. I want you to try on what I say for size, for yourself, see what fits and discard the rest. And, and that is how we all need to be approaching life in general with a little bit more of a critical thinking lens to, to see what actually feels good and what feels true for us, what feels true in our bodies and, and really exploring that in a really significant way. So if you want more information about uh, working with me, um, I do have both my men and my women's groups uh, running. Um, I actually pushed both of them back <laughs> because I'm the CEO and I get to make my own rules. Um, <laughs> actually, it just January was a lot um, in, in really beautiful ways. But January was a lot. I was finishing up um, a nine month long course. There was a, a lot of final project stuff going on. There was there was just a lot going on in January. Um, so I pushed both of them back to give me more space um, to I, because I, I always bring my full presence and energy. That's a requirement. Uh, and the standard with which I hold myself to. And I'm not about half-assing anything. Yes, done is better than perfect, but I am not willing to to go into anything like that, uh, a, a beautiful new coaching container with anything less than, than top level energy. Um, so that was why I pushed them back a little bit. And the good news is that gives you more time to, uh, to get in there. So I would love to see you in either my men's group or my women's group, depending on how you identify. And, uh, I also have spaces available for one-on-one right now as two. So let me know how this goes. And I'd really, really like to hear your thoughts on soul contracts. Like, does this feel completely untrue to you? Does this feel, um, do you feel a little bit of comfort from this the way that, that I sometimes do? Um, what are your opinions? What are your opinions? And and I'm no expert on soul contracts either. I need to be very clear. <laughs> I am no expert on this whatsoever. Um, but I just, uh, I think it's cool. I think it's cool to play with these ideas. So let me know what you think. I'm over at Emily Goff Coach um, on Instagram. You can send me a DM and also make sure to check the show notes for all the things that I referenced, um, including other podcast episodes and ways to work with me. Okay. Talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening. If you want more, one of the most common questions I get is where do I even start doing this work? 
to create deeper connections and better relationships. I've got a free 15 page guide for you called Where Do We Begin? This is the very foundation that you need to start building healthy relationships with others and with yourself. This is my gift to you and multiple people have referred to it as life-changing. <laughs> you can find it over at roomtogrowpodcast.com or check the show notes to go download it and have it sent straight to your inbox. Thanks so much and stay tuned for more episodes weekly.